Have you ever wondered how your beliefs about morality, relationships, work, and the universe shape your worldview? Well, we're going to explore that in this episode of Life Repurposed. I'm also going to tell you what's new in season seven. I've been brainstorming how I can provide more value to you that you could apply to everyday life, as well as adding in some humor and lighthearted reflections. So I'm going to tell you about that inside. Come on in and explore Life Repurposed. Welcome to Life Repurposed. This is where midlife meets inspiration, practical guidance, and renewed purpose amid life's evolving chapters. We navigate faith questions and messy, uncertain twists with humor and a commitment to pursue treasure, even in the hard stuff. I'm your host, Michelle Rayburn, the author of books and Bible studies about finding hope in the trashy stuff of life. I took a little break to regroup for a few weeks after the holidays just because there was so much going on and life was a little bit overwhelming and I really wanted some time to think through what I want to do on a new season of Life Repurposed. So even though I'm still working on some of my plans for this year, I decided it's time to get the podcast going again. I can't wait for it to all be in place. The perfectionist in me wants that, but this is season seven of Life Repurposed and with every season, I make a few changes Not drastic ones, but a few. So before we get to the episode content, let me give you a little quick update about what's new. I want to have a heart-to-heart with you about something that's been on my mind, the very essence of why we're here together on this podcast and what we're building together. I've experimented a lot because I want to provide podcast content and more, and it's the and more that I keep on experimenting with. My vision is to have resources for you along with a place where we can build a community. I want to communicate and provide value without becoming just a content machine. What is a content machine? Well, it would be me just cranking out a bunch of content just to have stuff just to create things. You've heard of content creators, and in some ways, everybody who puts stuff out there on the web in any way on social media or a blog or anything like that is a content creator. But I don't want to be a content machine where I'm just cranking out meaningless things. So when I started the Life Repurpose podcast, I had a mission in mind. It wasn't just about creating content for the sake of it. It was about crafting a space where meaningful conversations could unfold, where I could connect with the same people that I write books for and the same people who I meet when I speak for women's events. My mission here is simple yet meaningful, to contribute genuine value and build a community that resonates with purpose. I had tried that for a year using Facebook as a platform and having a group there, and it just didn't really achieve the purposes that I was going for. And so I'm st- I've still been in search of something that would be a way to allow more people to connect, even people who aren't on Facebook. So what I'm about to tell you has come out of that brainstorming and thinking about what could I do that isn't Facebook. Social media is full of content machines and they're really successful at it and that's great, but I'm not a content machine and I've realized I'm not good at TikTok, even though I've put out a few things on there. I'm not great at being the image of all the things that a content creator has. And yet the creator side of content is what draws me. So less is more if it's more meaningful for you. 
is my philosophy. That means I'm still doing a weekly podcast episode, but the things that I'm doing that are the more are going to be things that I want to be meaningful and not just scheduling a post every day just to have one. So I'm bringing that all together with articles and musings and thoughts about life and all that stuff on Substack. Now, this appealed to me because Substack is a place where you can blog and you can actually have a podcast there. Um, You can add video and you can have conversations and it's sort of like social media meets blogging and going back to the early days of blogging. And what it really resonates with me on is the idea of being able to put some of my everyday thoughts together and share them so that I don't have just buttoned up podcast episodes where I cover heavier topics or get into some serious things. Um, I don't have things just living on my website and nobody knows where they are. It's a way of me emailing out and communicating with people regularly about what's on my mind. So the new thing for this year is Substack, which aligns with what I'm doing here on the podcast. And I hope that it enhances what you hear on the podcast. And I hope that you will follow me on Substack and connect with me there as well. Now, when you do go there for the first time, you'll see that there is Always a notice that says you can get a paid version. Okay, what is that? Most of the content is going to be free for you. Almost everything is free. But when I create extra resources and go the extra mile and really give you some things, maybe some previews into some things that I'm writing in books and things like that, that's behind a paywall. And you're maybe wondering, why does it cost money to connect with something that could be free? That's because of the time and effort that goes into producing something and putting writing out there and things like the cost of the software and the platforms and all that it takes to maintain something like that. And I want there to be something for those of you who are really vested in the content to have a reward for that. So if you believe in what I'm doing here on Life Repurposed, this is an opportunity for you to subscribe to a paid version of things as well. But I will keep most of that content free for you so that you can go there and get all kinds of extra interaction during the week. All right, so that covers some of the changes and a little bit of the why behind why I've added Substack and how that intersects with the Life Repurposed podcast. So I want to kick off season seven. And as we do that, let me remind you of a few things. One is the Life Repurposed mission. I've kind of hinted at that a little bit here already, but Life Repurposed is where midlife meets inspiration, the practical guidance, and that renewed purpose. And this is a place for you, if especially you're navigating that time before your kids leave home, if you didn't have children, maybe the next season of your life and thinking about what's my purpose as I move toward that midlife experience. And so that's specifically what I'm thinking about. And then also as we look back, this is the time in my life in midlife where I'm thinking, I'm looking back and I have some regrets over things and I know that I can't go back and undo that. So being a life repurposed is really me saying, Okay, what can I do with what I've already done and where God is leading me next? So if that feels like you, like you're in that in-between, this is the space for you. So to accomplish this mission, as we're navigating faith questions and some of the messy, uncertain twists and, and adding a little humor in there, I always have this commitment to finding hope in the trashy stuff of life. And here's what I'm committing here to you that I will pursue in this podcast. Number one, authenticity. 
I'll express my thoughts, musings, and those practical takeaways, anything I can pull out of the messy stuff going on in my brain, but I'm not fancy. I'll be me, and I doubt that I'm going to go viral anytime soon. And so I'm just going to be little old me here. I'm not going to try to be somebody else. There are people who have some really cool lives out there. I feel like God's doing some cool stuff in my life, but it just doesn't look as fancy. So I'll be authentic with you. Number two, connection. I'm here to listen and respond to your feedback and hear your needs. So this is a two-way street, not just me talking at people, but I really want your feedback and I want your stories. So that's why I'm inviting you to this place on Substack where you can go and interact with me and with each other. I really want to hear your stories. I want that connection. Number three, I'm committing to quality. Now that doesn't mean my episodes are going to be radio worthy, but I'm still committing to the quality in the audio and in the type of content that I bring you. And so it's always going to be quality over quantity. If I'm on a time crunch, I'm going to make sure you get the best thing, something of value. Number four is collaboration. This is whether I'm featuring listener stories or interviews or guest contributions or links to outside resources. I'm open to bringing other voices together to actively participate because I'm not an island and my one perspective is not the right one. I want to hear from other people. So I want to collaborate with you. I could feature your listener stories, but you will still hear some interviews here as well because I want to collaborate with other people. And the last one, number five, is long-term impact. I'm committing to not going anywhere. I'm committing to be here for the long journey, even if that means I keep iterating and experimenting to get there. So I want to thank you for those of you who have been with me for all 183 previous episodes up until this point. We are on number 184, and this is not the end of the road for me. And so I'm committed long-term to providing this value for you. All right, before we get into the real reason that we're here in the content, the last thing I want to say is that I'm going to link in the show notes for you for this podcast episode and to that Substack that I talked about. But anytime you're trying to find things, you can always go to michellerayburn.com and look on the menu tab there. I have the podcast. I have the magazine. It's always there. So you can always go to michellerayburn.com and find that. And the other way that you can find things is to go to liferepurposed.me. So if you can remember either one of those things, you'll be able to connect. Are you ready for this season to get going? All right, let's launch season seven. I'm going to spend a few episodes covering some terminology that has led to a drastic repurposing in my life. I've shared some episodes about deconstruction, and I'll link to those in the show notes if you want to find a little bit about that. But I want you to remember that deconstruction is the process of untangling or sorting through or untwisting. It's not destroying or demolishing our faith, contrary to what some people might think when they heard the term deconstruction. So I've been sorting through a lot of my beliefs, a lot of the terminology, and a lot of the practices that were on autopilot for the first three quarters of my life so far. And the last quarter has been a lot of thinking through that and looking and realizing there are some things all twisted up with scripture that are not really scriptural. And so I want to look at some of the terms that might be confusing for people. And one of those is what I'm going to cover today. 
This last quarter has been, and I'm saying the last quarter of my life. So the last 12 years or so of my life, 12, 13 years, has been a time of seeking to understand what assumptions I've made that might be incorrect or what phrases I've used that don't make sense. And this also includes challenging the idea that there's only one way to be a Christian. So for the first phrase that I'd like to untwist this week is one that I've heard in Christian circles a lot. And later, um, I'll give you some ideas for what we can do about that and how we can approach it. So we'll cover that in this episode. But I've heard this term on podcasts. I read it in magazine articles. It comes up in discussions with people. And so let's tackle one and get into some heavy stuff in this first episode of the season. I'm not going to tread lightly or start with humor. We're just going to go there. Okay, are you ready? Let's talk about what a biblical worldview is. First, we're going to need to define worldview. Merriam-Webster says it's a comprehensive conception or apprehension of the world, especially from a specific standpoint. Okay, that sounds really big, so we're going to unpack that a little bit. Think of it as a framework for how we answer life's questions and how we make decisions as we apply our beliefs to our actions. Now, we might think of this as completely individual, like I get to make the choices. I see the world this way, and this is how I act. But we live with other people, so it's impossible for us to do this just by ourselves. Our worldview comes from the people we're around as well. Now, philosophers will talk about how we live in a pluralistic society. You hear that term maybe a lot. Let's let's figure out what it means because I don't like to throw around terms if I don't personally totally understand what they mean. So we live in a society that's made up of multiple points of view, doctrines, and traditions. And there are there's diversity in ethnicity, in race, religion, social groups. But together, we make up one common civilization. So we're plural in all of these differences and the diversity among us, and yet together we make up one civilization. So this matters because we are individuals who must live with one another. Now let's go back to worldview and see how that works. How we answer life's questions and make decisions will have similarities and differences with one another. Let's complicate the layers a little bit by adding the word biblical to this worldview and speaking of a biblical worldview. This is when our framework is guided by scripture on top of all the other things. It's based on the teachings of the Bible and how we interpret the application of those teachings to our lives. Now, one way of seeing the world is guided then by the Bible, and there are other people out there in the world who have a view that is not guided by the Bible. Simple, right? Not so fast. When you hear people talk about a biblical worldview, it's often said with an implied assumption that there's only one biblical worldview. And this is where I run into some challenges, and I want to talk about it today, because We can't assume that there's only one biblical worldview, and we're going to talk about why. Having a biblical worldview generally means interpreting and understanding the world based on the principles and teachings found in the Bible. However, 
It's so important for us to recognize that within Christianity, there's a vast diversity of theological perspectives and interpretations of biblical teachings. What are some of the aspects then of life that are affected by our worldview? Well, here's a list of a few. And I'm going to make sure that in one of the resources that I put out for this episode, that I give you an opportunity to dig into this a little bit deeper. Here's just 16 of them that I can think of that it affects. Morality, ethics, our family dynamics, which includes family, marriage, and parenting. Personal relationships, which includes friendships and romantic partners. Our work or our career. Our choice of education and learning our view of creation in the universe, views on purpose in life, attitudes toward material possessions and the pursuit of success, attitudes about social issues and justice, choices about health, lifestyle choices, political engagement, community engagement, views on time and volunteering, and our response to adversity or challenges. So that's just a small list of some of the things that biblical worldview would affect. So if I have a a view of the world through the lens of scripture, I'm going to make different choices on those types of things than somebody who doesn't have that lens of scripture. But like I said, there are diverse views of scripture. So some folks might think it's like everyone in the Christian club has this secret handshake of beliefs, and they all have the same perspectives on all of the above. But guess what? It's a bit more like a potluck dinner where everyone brings their unique dish to the table. I already said that being a Christian and having a biblical worldview is like looking at life through a lens shaped by the teachings in the Bible, which is cool, right? But here's the kicker. There's no one-size-fits-all manual. Now, picture this. Christians come in all flavors like denominations and stuff, Baptists, Catholics, Pentecostals, Lutherans, non-denominational It's a diverse bunch. And oh boy, do they have different takes on certain passages and theological stuff. So we have this buffet of interpretations. Now imagine going to a family reunion and your cool cousin interprets the Bible one way and your quirky aunt has a totally different spin and you have a different spin, different point of view. It's a biblical potluck of ideas. And here's the real talk. Christians don't see eye to eye on social issues, politics, how to pray, or even what to cook for Sunday dinner. It's a glorious mess of opinions, and that's what makes it interesting. Sure, there are some core beliefs that most Christians agree on. Of course, there are differences on those too, but Jesus being the Messiah, love being a big deal, you'll notice a common theme. But when it comes to the nitty gritty stuff, how to raise your family, your personal choices, and even who to vote for, that's where the potluck dishes get kind of sketchy. So let's be real. Assuming that all Christians are on the same page about everything is like assuming everyone at a potluck will bring the same casserole. It's not happening. Even if we all brought the same casserole, it wouldn't taste the same. There are going to be differences in how we do that. So let's celebrate this potluck of perspectives. Let's encourage chats about differences. Let's learn from each other's biblical adventures. It's a wild ride. But who said faith had to be dull? How do we get there then? How do we walk through the tricky navigation of this if my biblical worldview and your biblical worldview are not the same? Let's look at some ways 
that we can appreciate the diversity and avoid assuming that uniformity is the norm. So let's start with number one, acknowledge interpretation differences. Recognize that the Bible can be interpreted in various ways. Different denominations and individual Christians may have distinct perspectives on certain passages or theological concepts. Understanding that interpretation can vary allows for appreciation of diverse viewpoints. This means that learning to be okay with others who just don't see the Bible the same way is actually okay. This was one of my biggest challenges growing up. I thought there was one way to understand it all. And if you didn't see it that way, we couldn't be friends. Like if you went to the church down the street and you weren't an evangelical by our definition, there was a secret assumption that you might not even be a real Christian. And this is an area where God is doing some major renovation and repurposing in me. It's one of the biggest motivations for me in putting out life repurposed content. The second thing that we can look at is respect denominational differences. Christianity encompasses various denominations with unique theological emphases, and appreciating that richness of these denominational differences, instead of assuming that all Christians adhere to the same doctrines, really adds to our connections and our unity with one another. It sounds as if it would create confusion, and yet it actually creates unity because we can just appreciate the different places where we land. Now, I strongly disagree with some of those theological emphases, but a renewed respect has arisen that has surprised me within myself. I'm seeing that others have wrestled through their studies and they landed in a different place. They've given just as much conscientious study to what they're looking at. They've they've invested the time. They've worked on it. And they've still landed in a different place. And so as we begin to respect those differences, it changes that approach. I no longer see them as dumb or stupid or some other label I could give. And instead, we're just equally smart and we just landed in a different place. The third thing that we can do is to engage in interfaith dialogue. So you're seeing a progression here. First, we see there's interpretation differences. Number two, we see that there's denominal differences. Oh, that word, denominational differences. And then the third thing we can start to do is engage in interfaith dialogue, bridging those gaps, going across the boundaries and having conversations, interacting with Christians from different denominations and engaging interfaith dialogue can broaden your understanding of various perspectives. There's not like this worry for me that having those conversations is somehow going to lead me astray. It's just going to broaden my understanding of somebody else. So when we do this, it fosters an environment of learning and mutual respect. Growing up, I attended a Christian school run by a very different denomination from the one where I went to church. And I've been part of several different denominations over the years in various ways, whether it was where I went to college or where I worshiped while I was in college or, um, where we worshiped for a time after moving, those kinds of things. And so I've realized that none of the denominations that I've been part of in my life have things 100% aligned with what I think is true according to scripture. There's always something that I think, oh yeah, I don't know if they have this one right. I don't know if I have this one right. But the best repurposing happens when we have curious conversations instead of arguments. 
When I see someone's beliefs as interesting rather than irritating, it opens new doors to relationships and a lot of fun collaboration too. The fourth thing then that comes out of this that we can do is focus on core beliefs. While there may be many differences in secondary theological matters, most Christians share those core beliefs, like I mentioned, the divinity of Jesus, salvation through faith, the importance of love and compassion, and even if there are some variances in there, the core is still very similar. So when we look for common ground, it can promote unity amid our diversity. The next thing that we can do is number five, study church history. Exploring the historical development of Christian theology can shed light on the evolution of different doctrinal perspectives. Understanding the context in which certain theological positions emerged can lead to a greater appreciation for the diversity that I've talked about. When I was in graduate school, I had several classes that involved studying church history or denominational differences. I found this to be really growth-producing in me. It made me ask thoughtful questions and study more, and it also made me go back to Scripture to see what I believed and why I believed it, because oftentimes we just take what people tell us, wherever we grew up especially, and we don't really question it and go searching for ourselves. So when you study church history and you look at some of the differences, it also helps you to study your own history and ask some thoughtful questions. The seventh thing that we can do is encourage critical thinking. Encourage open-mindedness and critical thinking within your Christian community. This allows for healthy discussions and the exchange of diverse ideas without imposing a singular worldview. To have a biblical worldview will require knowing the Bible. Biblical is Bible. So I'm learning to study it in a larger context, in larger chunks, in context with the rest of the text, and in a cultural context. This makes a really big difference as I chew on some of the passages that now don't make sense anymore to me when I look at them in the context instead of just pulling out one verse. Critical thinking involves conversations that don't attack they are seeking to learn rather than correct. So as I'm working on that, it corrects my own thinking first rather than me trying to convince somebody else. But even if I don't have a way of seeing the cultural history, like I don't have an understanding of that, I can actually look at the context in the whole of Scripture. So when you read more of Scripture or you see a verse that really stands out for you, Zoom out a little bit and look at the bigger context. What was the rest of the writing around it written about and who was it written to? And it really, that critical thinking has changed me a lot in my own worldview because I'm learning to understand scripture in a new way. The eighth and final thing that we can do is promote unity in diversity. When we celebrate that diversity within Christianity as a testament to the richness of our faith, we bring people together. Embrace the idea that unity can exist even in the presence of theological diversity. So this means that one person's biblical worldview and another person's biblical worldview might be diverse, and yet we can be unified. This is where we start to see the repurposing happen. When I see my purpose as proving someone wrong, it's very different than if I begin to ask thoughtful questions. Now my purpose becomes understanding. 
If you're a parent, you might find that your adult or nearly grown children have a different view of how the Bible applies to their lives than your understanding. They might be really solid in their faith, but see things very differently from you. They may have married outside of your preferred denomination, and they might practice their faith in very different ways. And so parenting is one way of practicing some of these very things that I've been talking about. Assuming that everyone else's worldview has to align with ours can really lead to a lot of hurt and pain in relationships. So if you're struggling to see how your views and someone else's can be both biblical, maybe some of the nudges I'm going to give you here will help you. So before we wrap up, I want to look at some of the pitfalls of assuming everyone's definition of a biblical worldview has to align with your own. The first pitfall that can happen of the four here that I've listed are that we could miss out on the beauty of diversity. What has changed and shaped me the most is to learn from someone else's perspective, stepping into their shoes. And if I miss out on that beauty of diversity, it becomes so shallow because there's nothing to explore. And so I get this depth and beauty when I learn from somebody else. The second pitfall that can happen is we live in an echo chamber. Our own voices and our opinions bounce back and we're nodding along and we're all in agreement and we might even be ranting about something together. And I want to challenge that because that isn't unity. That's an echo chamber. We're just agreeing with other people and we're not really celebrating any sort of diversity. The third pitfall that can happen is judgment shows up. My eyebrows got a lot of exercise in my younger days with all the raising of my eyebrows when I was looking at what other people were doing and how they practiced their faith and all the things I didn't agree with. And that judgment didn't really do anything for my own spiritual growth at all. And the fourth pitfall that we can fall into is that relationships get roadblocked. We wonder, why don't they get it? Why don't they see it my way? Why don't they want to be part of my arguments and debates? I want to ask you, has this discussion tested you a little? It's totally okay to feel a bit challenged by the idea of embracing different perspectives. Change and growth are like weightlifting for the soul. They might feel tough at first, but they make you stronger when you go ahead and do it anyway. So I want you to remember that being open to diverse beliefs does not mean abandoning your own. It's more like expanding your mental playlist. You have your favorite tunes, but exploring new genres can bring unexpected joys. Or here's another metaphor if you like metaphors. (laughs) Imagine a garden with flowers of every color. Each bloom adds to the beauty, and your beliefs are like those unique flowers. It's a tapestry of colors with each contributing to the overall vibrancy of your worldview. Feeling pressure is nothing new, but here's the secret sauce. Take it one step at a time. You're not running a sprint. This is a marathon of understanding. Engage in conversations, ask questions, and most importantly, listen, but do it at your pace. It's like learning to dance to a new rhythm. It's a bit awkward at first, but soon you'll find your groove. Challenge isn't the enemy. It's a sign you're on the verge of growth. Embracing diverse beliefs doesn't mean sacrificing your core values. It's about adding layers to your understanding, enriching your collection of experiences. Are you ready to embark on a journey of understanding and appreciation and exploring biblical worldviews? Start small by engaging in conversations with someone whose beliefs differ from yours. Ask questions. 
listen with an open heart, and seek to understand rather than convince. Challenge yourself to explore a new perspective, whether through a book, a cultural event, or a friendly discussion. Embracing diversity is a lifelong adventure, so your first step can make a world of difference. Are you up for the challenge? Then take that step and let the journey begin. I want to know how it goes, so I want to invite you to join the discussion over on Substack. I'd love to hear your input. And I'm going to give you a link in the show notes at michellerayburn.com slash 184. And you can find that discussion over on Substack. And like I said, for paid subscribers, there's also a bonus resource for journaling through some reflecting on your worldview in that list that I gave you earlier. And there's also going to be some conversation starters, a worksheet for you to look for some ways that you could start conversations with other people. Embracing diverse beliefs can lead to those enriching conversations and broaden your understanding of the world. And so I'm going to give you those guided conversation starters to initiate some meaningful discussions with friends, family, maybe colleagues. The goal is to foster an open dialogue where everyone's perspective is valued. So that'll take a little practice. Sometimes those discussions are a little bit tough, but it's really good to learn how to listen to somebody else. If this conversation has pushed you and challenged you a little bit, I would love to hear from you. Even if that means you disagree with me, I do want to hear your perspective about how the phrase biblical worldview has impacted you. So do reach out. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back with another term to define next week. And I hope that you have a great week pondering all of this and letting God wrestle through with you on some of your thoughts. That really is the fun and the beauty of a repurposed life. Thanks for listening to Life Repurposed. Would you like more? Check out the Life Repurposed magazine on Substack and get resources, weekly musings, and conversations with others. Just go to liferepurposed.me.